Too lazy to write where anything can happen and everyone is welcome with the real God Baker. That's me. Hi. I decided to forego the song today and just go cold open, as it would be called. That's what they keep calling it uh, on Saturday Night Live when I go online to look at episodes, because it's not really... Well, it's past my bedtime, to be honest with you. Hmm. (laughs) 11.30 on a Saturday? I've been asleep for two hours, and I'm getting up to pee at 12. Um, Because that's just how I roll. But, uh, yeah, they call it a cold open. Check out Saturday Night Live's cold open. Um, With a lot of hyperbole, I'm sure, around surrounding that, uh, that headline. It's always Saturday Night Live savagely, uh, eviscerates President Trump with this cold open. You're like, whoa, they must have done something crazy in their cold open. And it's, um... It's usually Alec Baldwin wearing too much makeup. I don't find it funny anymore. I know that people, oh, they just love it to bits. They just see it and they go, oh, Alec Baldwin doing Donald Trump again for the 40th week in a row. This is not getting tired at all. It kind of is. And um, part of me thinks, and I said this uh, a while ago to my family, so nobody could verify that I really said it. Because they never listen to me. Because I'm the middle child, and nobody listens to the middle child. <laughs> That'd be a good um, a good line for like a movie if like I was the middle child, but I went on some kind of like um, vengeance spree, and it was like middle child. That'd be the name of the movie, middle child. And then the tagline would be because nobody listens to the middle child. Coming to a theater this fall. Um, and he jokes about shooting when, of course, there was yet another one in uh, in America. But dialing it back to the Alec Baldwin thing on um, Saturday Night Live, and I actually think it propels the Trump uh, fan base. They take their heads out of the slop bucket for a few minutes. And they, they're like, oh, yeah, he don't like, uh, of course, that's not fair. Um, you know, I'm stereotyping, but, uh, what the fuck? He don't like us. Look at them liberals, uh, on Saturday Night Live at 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night, making fun of our president. Yeah, I'm just gonna have a sip of coffee. It's, um... Fuck, 325 and, uh, on a Monday. And you might be wondering, what the hell? You didn't, uh, you didn't come through with that big interview you were talking about. You, you, you liar. How, has anybody noticed, by the way, that Prince William, no, who's the one who got married? Harry, Harold, Harry, Prince Harry. Prince Harry, in the outfit he was wearing... Looked like he should have been working on the Death Star. I'm just saying. He really did in that all-black outfit with the little medals or whatever on his breast uh, pocket. He looked like he was one of Darth Vader's henchmen. 
anyway, what was I talking about? Why didn't I come through with the big interview? I'm still, I'm still dragging it down, man. Oh, I'm trying to get this guy. And I have two other people lined up, one of whom I'm hopefully going to be interviewing tomorrow or sometime later in the week. And then uh, my son and I and my wife and daughter and I, all three of us, four of us, me and the three, were in Philadelphia last weekend and nobody robbed my house. Um, We were in Philadelphia last weekend. We went because it was my son's 12th birthday and it was my wife's and I's. 16th wedding anniversary. We shared the same day as my son, uh, May 19th. We celebrated 16 years and he celebrated 12. So that was fun. And what we decided to do was go to a little thing called Wizard World Philadelphia. And it was pretty good. It wasn't great. It wasn't, in my opinion, as good as Awesome Con that we went to last year in D.C., nor was it as good as uh, the Comic-Con that we were at in Ottawa for a number of years. And the reason we liked Ottawa so much was because it was small. They got great guests, but it was a very manageable uh, convention out at the uh, facility they had it at in Ottawa, what's called the EY Center. And uh, it was very manageable. You knew where you were going. It was uh, easy to navigate. There were a lot of... Uh, rooms off the main hallway where you could go and sit sit in on workshops or talk to people. But uh, in D.C. that we were at uh, last year, it was so big and so unmanageable. But yet they still had a great amount of guests and a great uh, selection of vendors. This year in, in Philly that we went to, it was fun. It was great. We had a great time and he had a great 12th birthday. But um, when you walked in, you were greeted by... Kato Kalen. That's right. Kato Kalen. Let that sink in for a second. And I'll say it again. Kato Kalen. Who means virtually nothing to anybody in attendance there. Like the majority of people, myself included, I didn't know who the guy was. I I said to a woman near me, I was like, who is that? And she said, it's Kato Kalen. And I said, Kato Kalen? Um, what is this? 1996? Did OJ just get off and Kato's cashing in on his newfound fame? Anyway, um, but my, I met Henry Winkler. That was really cool. Uh, I had a nice chat with him. He is a complete gentleman, as one might expect from the portrayer of Arthur Fonzarelli. Amongst other things, we talked about his portrayal of uh, said Fonzarelli. We also talked about uh, his work in the new show, HBO show, Barry, which is really funny. He's very funny. Um, I forgot to mention Night Shift, which really upset me this morning when I remembered he was in Night Shift. It only hit me 48 hours later. Um, And as I said to him, I said, you know, Mr. Winkler, sir... I said, when I was a kid growing up, a Jewish kid in uh, Ottawa, let's hear for Ottawa, man. Um, when we found out that the Fonz, the guy who played the Fonz, was Jewish, 
that brought us a whole new level of like pride, you know, like, wow, he's Jewish. I'm Jewish. I said, you were our Sandy Koufax. I think he liked that. I think the phones like that. So, um, so that's what, uh, did I introduce the podcast, Too Lazy to Write, with me, your host, the real John Baker, right here on uh, your phone, or whatever the hell you're listening to me on, maybe your computer, maybe your laptop, perhaps a download onto your MP3, onto your views player. <laughs> um, so yeah, met Henry Winkler, and then my son uh, got his picture taken with a kid named Ezra Miller, who portrays the Flash on uh, stage. <laughs> On stage and screen, but mostly screen and screen, TV and movie. Pardon me, can I have some coffee? Mmm. Oh, John never has a second cup of coffee at home. Uh, so he got his picture taken with Ezra Miller, which was really nice, a nice guy. And my son was dressed up as Georgie Michael. He was Georgie from the movie It, but his raincoat had the patches on its on the back that George Michael had in the uh, video for the show, for the, for the song Faith. Plus he also wore sunglasses. What was missing was a red balloon. And I was, um, I had a Afro wig on and my beard, well, the beard always stays on, and a t-shirt that said, don't hassle me, I'm local. And I had a painter's palette. And I was, that's right, you guessed it, you win the prize. I was, what about Bob Ross? And uh, like I said, we had fun. And what we did when we were in Philly was, prior to going, we uh, booked some uh, reservations at two, two of Philly's finest restaurants, of two of Philadelphia's finest restaurants. Called One was called Abe Fisher, and the other is called Zahav. And Abe Fisher is a very heavy, heavy um, Eastern European, like Jewish, uh, bubby sort of comfort food um, with a lot of fat a lot, a lot of beef fat, chopped liver, or actually it was a liver mousse, but it was more of a chopped liver with fried onions. And uh, we had short ribs done in Montreal uh, steak spice. Holy moly, were those good. And a bunch of other things. And then dessert was this egg cream. And oh my God. And then I just rolled on back to the hotel and fell asleep. And then the next night, after our our second or our full full day at, at uh, Wizard World, um, where the lineups were so stupidly disorganized, um, we went to um, uh, the restaurant was called Zahav, and Zahav both owned by the same person. Zahav though is um, more of an Israeli, Middle Eastern style uh, cuisine, as heavy as Abe Fisher was. This was completely light, well, lighter, and oh my God, was it good. And then for dessert, we had this, they gave us a whole variety of things. And one of them was this custard that was just, I could have licked the bowl, it was so good. But apparently, a grown man in a restaurant should not lick the bowl. Um, but, but it was funny because the night when we were at Abe Fisher, um, we were talking after the meal and we were just like so full and, and I was telling my kids about how, you know, when I was younger, um, if, if I ever didn't feel well, like if I had an upset stomach or 
if I'm probably gonna have to move away from the microphone a bit when I start yelling, <laughs> but, um, my parents, if I had a, usually if I got like an upset stomach, it usually was accompanied by a, uh, a headache as well. And for the remedy, my parents thought, um, an Eno would do the trick, which is basically like an Alka-Seltzer, but we didn't have Alka-Seltzer in our house for some reason. We only had this, this tablet called Eno's, E-N-O, uh, and, and it was both relieving and absolutely frightening at the same time, because I knew that if I did follow my parents' instructions, um, the Eno would cure me of what was bothering me, the upset stomach, and probably make me throw up. But it was the whole process leading up to taking the Eno. I would be like, oh, I don't feel well. And then my father would tell me, oh, I think you need to take an Eno. And then, I don't want an Eno. And then, keep on hitting the mic, and then he'd be like, you should take an Eno. And then I'd be like, I don't want to take the Eno. We got to take the Eno. And then I'd go into the bathroom, and there, what you did was the Eno is you'd fill up a cup of warm water. And then the water would be full, and then my mother would be standing there, and she'd say, I'm going to put the Eno in the, in, the, in the cup of water. And then my dad would say, as soon as the Eno goes in the water, you drink it. You drink the whole glass. Drink it down. I don't want to take the Eno. Gonna, it's going to make me sick. I'm going to throw up. Take the goddamn Eno. <laughs> and, then, and then they dropped the Eno in the glass, and it was like a little tablet, and it would hit the bottom, and it would start fizzing, 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 fizzing. And then, and then my dad would be like, drink up, drink the whole thing. And then you'd start drinking it. And I could never drink a whole glass of warm water with this, with this, what's it called? Like abysmal or abysmal or I forget the fucking word. And it would be like fizzing up and fizzing up and fizzing up. And I'd be like, <laughs> and then I'd finally finish it. And then there'd be that, that like chalky sludge at the bottom of the, of the glass and then you'd, you know, they'd make you drink it. And you'd be rubbing it on your gums like cocaine, I imagine. And uh, then I'd vomit. <laughs> and that scared the shit out of me, these Enos. Um, and I think, I, don't, I think they still make them. I don't know if they're like as popular as they were back in the early 80s. But that's what, <laughs> that is like, I, like, that scarred me. Like thinking about it again and telling my kids about it, they find it absolutely hysterical. More coffee. Um, but <laughs> I find it utterly, utterly frightening, the whole Eno adventure. And, uh, and it would make me burp. You'd have a really big burp, and then I'd run to the bathroom and throw up, and then somehow my parents were satisfied. They were like, all right, see, it feels better now. I didn't really feel that much better. I probably did. I don't know. I just fall asleep. So um, I did not have an Eno or an Alka-Seltzer or a Tums or anything like that. My wife, on the other hand, I think needed, would have liked to have had um, something like that because she, it did not, we're old, right? Like our reservation at Abe Fisher was for eight o'clock, which is fine. That was normal. We got home at 1030. Our reservation at Zahav was at 9.30 because that was all we could get. So, you know, 9.30, we weren't done until close to midnight. Um, but it was nice. They had customized the, the top of the menu for us. They wrote, happy anniversary, Jonathan and Jennifer, and happy birthday, Beckett, on uh, my son's name's Beckett. 
Oh, wait, you all know that? Because the only people who listen to this are friends of mine. That's right. Um, so so uh, that was really nice of them. And then on the Sunday, which was yesterday, we just got in the car and drove back home because it was far too much uh, excitement for us in the city of brotherly love. And while we were at the con, the girls were touring the city, and Chloe discovered, my daughter Chloe, uh, she discovered a number of thrift thrift shops in, uh, in the Philadelphia area. And they went to a place called the Magic Garden, which is very uh, Instagrammable. And um, that was pretty much the whole thing. So that was my weekend. And... Uh, it's, you know what, and a weekend goes by, and what happens here in the good old U.S. of A.? There is another school shooting, and another batch of thoughts and prayers and verbal masturbation, because that's all it fucking is. And uh, my wife just sent uh, an email to the security advisor, security director, I don't know, of my daughter's uh, middle school. Asking what can be done. They don't like me at the middle school because uh, when there was a shooting in Florida, I sent an email asking about security measures. And the uh, principal replied to me, telling me that they have a great student body, uh, a very well-adjusted student body that knows right from wrong, etc., etc. Um, and I replied to her, I'm sure this, the, the teachers and staff at the uh, high school in Parkland, Florida, felt the exact same way until a student came in and murdered 17 uh, students. She didn't like that, and it was kind of snotty to me the next go-round. So from now on, my wife looks after the, uh, what are you doing to look after our kids' emails. So she did send that, what are you doing to look after our kids, and I'm sure we're going to get, well, yesterday we got the standard answer from the uh, Fairfax County supervisor, superintendent of the school, um, kind of reiterating actually that they have measures in place for, you know, for children to talk about their issues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which is all good and, and great. And you know what, if, if it works and it decreases or eliminates incidents, then that's great. But, um, unfortunately it doesn't. And I heard a story today on NPR about a uh, cougar attack in uh, Washington State. Doesn't happen often. Uh, they think they said it was only the second one on record since, like, the 1960s. Uh, a fatality where where a, a hiker was killed. In this case, it was actually a biker. He was killed. Um, but my immediate response was. Well, I think then they should just put in put more mountain lions uh, in the area to combat this incident of one mountain lion killing. Um, I'm also proposing giving drug addicts more heroin and giving alcoholics more alcohol. Uh, if there's a drunk driving epidemic, put more drunk drivers on the road because the best way to combat a bad drunk driver is with a good drunk driver or something to that effect. Um, that was outgoing NPR president Wayne Lapierre. Again, they're, they're, it's so bizarre. Um, and of course, sorry, incoming, uh, NPR president, NPR, NR, wow. 
NRA president, Ollie North, he knows a thing or two about, uh, about, uh, doing sh- illegal shit. Didn't he go to prison for something or something? Really? I don't know. He's an American hero. You cannot make fun of an American hero. Really? Really? You can. Um, that's the thing I love about those kids in Florida is that they don't give a shit about um, titles. They don't care that people have the word senator or congressperson, congressman, congresswoman, or president in front of their name. They don't give a shit. They just want a fucking answer. And they do not give the people who believe they deserve the respect, the respect that those people deserve, think they deserve, if that made any sense. And you followed my train of thought on that one. Good for you. But I remember thinking that as a kid. Like, ah, what do I got to listen to this guy for? He, just because he says he's so-and-so? I got to... Whatever. No, you don't. And good for them. I applaud them. Um, I'm too much of a, I was too much of a coward to do anything. So, um, of course at the same time, we didn't really have that issue of, of, uh, school shootings. What's going on here? My, oh my goodness me. Getting a whole bunch of, uh, texts coming in. We're looking to buy a house here in, 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 uh, Fairfax County. What do you think of that folks? So, um, I just started talking about gun violence in America. And yeah, when I was at the Comic-Con, there was this guy walking around with a t-shirt that said, it was like the ACDC logo, but it said AR-15, and then underneath it, it said Back in Black. And I wanted to go up to him and ask him, like, what? I don't understand your shirt. Um, but then I thought, no, I don't want to fight with this guy, really. Number one, he was a lot bigger than me, like like a lot. And I don't have the mental capacity to argue with people because they're going to say, it's my right to own a gun. And I'm going to say, no, it's not. It's not. Like, it's not. It's not. It's your right to breathe air, you know? That's like an intangible that you need. Um, it should be a right to a hot meal. It should be a right to a good education, a warm place to sleep. Um, you know, but not a right to own an assault rifle that like veterans themselves say shouldn't be used in, you know, day to day life. But there's a lot about this country I don't understand. Um, I think that if you wanted to get rid of the whole national anthem controversy, just stop playing it. There's no reason for it. Like there is absolutely zero reason for a national anthem to be played at the start of any sporting event, unless, caveat, unless that sporting event is being played on the world stage, i.e. the Olympics, uh, the World Cup of football, cricket, um, what else? I don't know, if, if you know, an American other than Lance Armstrong wins the Tour de France, uh, or whatever nationality person wins that Tour de France, you could play their anthem, uh, golf maybe, if I don't even think they do it then. But it's such a, you know what you got to do at a football game, at a hockey game, at a basketball game, at a NASCAR, well, NASCAR, you know, if you don't play the anthem, they're going to just kill you. Because they love their name, they love Jesus, guns, and the national anthem. Rum, 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 rum. One second, I'm having more coffee. Um, here's what they should do before every football game. They introduce the two teams, and then they play 
the chorus of Living on a Prayer or the guitar intro to Welcome to the Jungle, because you don't hear that a thousand times at every sports game, or the beginning of Seven Nation Army, or some bon- other Bon Jovi tune, or, you know, a popular song from the artist who is from your hometown. If it's out in Seattle, you can play Barracuda. Um, if it's in Jersey, you got, you know, Springsteen and Bon Jovi to choose from to get your fucking rocks off there. Uh, out in California, well, you know, there's a, a, a plethora of artists you can choose from and perhaps, uh, you know, chili peppers. You give it away, give it away, give it away now. And then, you know, you shoot the gun and the game starts. Everybody's happy. But they're not going to do that. They're going to keep on politicizing sporting events. That was the other thing you could do. Just get rid of the, you know, uh, we recognize trooper blah, 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 blah. Everybody please stand. I don't want to stand. Um, take the military out of sports. There's no reason for it. Like they've, this American culture has, has like hijacked sports and created a, a world of military surrounding it where so much so that like there are nights where, well, you know, they honor the troops and the players wear their camo uh, uniforms and it's, it's, it's enough. You know what? It's enough. It's a glorification of it. And, you know, it was used, I guess, in the nineties and the two thousands to drum up business for the, uh, military. So more people would, could enroll. Maybe this is all, all based on zero research, by the way, everything I'm telling you is just coming to my ass, but it seems to be believable. You know, you had the Iraq war, happening and then people started coming back from that and they were thanking them at sporting events because they got fucked over when they came back from Vietnam and people were like we're not gonna let that happen again let's honor them in the what's the least what's the littlest amount of recognition we can do hmm what if we gave away two tickets a game to a military family that'll cost us a couple hundred bucks we put them on the jumbotron. The whole crowd gets up and applauds them during the seventh inning, or during a stoppage in play, or uh, at a commercial TV timeout, whenever. <clears throat> and, uh, and and we've done good. We've we've honored our, our veterans. Oh, that's good. We can also give them ten percent off every Tuesday on mattresses. That's also a great idea. And they're happy. <laughs> you know what would be a great way to honor them? Give them, oh man, what's it I'm looking for? Like a um, like a free university, uh, education, a home, um, mental health um, facilities to discuss what they've seen and what they've done and what they've come back to and what they've left behind, you know? Or, or, or we could give them 20% off a mattress every Tuesday. Let's go with the mattress thing costs less that makes people happy because they get a free mattress anyway i don't even know what the hell i've been talking about for the last 20 minutes maybe i've just been rambling 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 um which brings me to my next topic i have since moving here there are two radio stations i listen to uh i would say 95 percent of the time i listen to npr and the rest of the time i listen to some bunch of assholes on the sports radio station here. 
Um, but it could be any sports radio station anywhere because they're pretty much all the same. Um, in the States, it's football 24-7, except for when it's baseball, um, what would that, 22-7, and then the other two hours is, is football. It's, it's Right now, like I'm in Washington, and even though baseball season's begun, they're talking football, and they have been for the last 12 months. Um, and even though the Capitals are in the playoffs, um, I think they're one win a loss away from elimination, though. They're still talking about football. And it reminded me, of course, when I was in Ottawa and the sports radio station there, it could be the middle of August, and somebody could have just pitched a no-hitter, and somebody else could have won a golf tournament, and they'd get on the radio and be like, hey, let's talk about sports in Ottawa. Let's talk about hockey. And what I think is... And then, of course, you got into the talking about sports, and all the shows are, you know, they take a, a little snippet of, of a sport, something we all know. We're the Grounds Crew! You're listening to Grounds Crew Radio! Um, and then that's, that's the show. You know, they're two guys, and they're called the Grounds Crew! And the name of the station is something sports-related, I don't know... Where I was, it was called the team. Here, it's the fan, of course. It's, um, yeah, the fan, that's a pretty popular one. And the team, I imagine, would also be a popular one. All you have to do is find a sports-related... Um, just you got to find a sports-related anal- anal- analogy. <laughs> I don't even know what the fucking word is. Analogy. Analogy. And there's you. I like the grounds crew, though. Trademark. We're the grounds crew. And they never use their real names. And somebody's always fighting somebody. It's always two opposing views, you know. And and they they never agree on it. And they pluralize people on the team. You know, well, this this is a great team, you know. And if we had more Joneses and more Smiths and more Alexanders. Yeah, if you had more, more, more. Oh, shut up. Just blah, 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 blah. And they're also, ugh, I just hate listening to them. So that brings me to my 95% of NPR. And of course, NPR is wonderful and it's so liberal. And I enjoy listening to it when I don't uh, disagree with them, which isn't actually as often as I thought. I thought I'd be like really disagreeing with NPR uh, tremendously, but I don't. Um, but what I have discovered is that it doesn't matter if they're an NPR story anywhere in North America, or if they go overseas to, uh, any, uh, affiliate or any contractor who works for, or on behalf of NPR, one second, more coffee, they love they absolutely love to set the scene, which, of course, any any good broadcaster will try to do. And it's always like, you know, I'm sitting in a bustling cafe on the streets of Istanbul. Behind me, a man approaches cigarette in mouth with five Turkish lira in his pocket. You know, or... <laughs> We're in a bustling cafe in Bethlehem! <laughs> 
in the green hills of Vermont. <laughs> I fucking love the way they set the scene. It just makes me laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And to be truthful, that's all I got for you today. Um, I kind of ran out of steam right there. But I'm glad I talked about it. And I'm glad I went off on sports radio and the national anthem and all of that shit. And if you listen through the whole thing, then you're a better person than I am. And I thank you for listening. And I'm going to try to work out some interviews, I hope. Um, please keep uh, sending me your well wishes or your angry notes. Uh, you can find it all on the website, too lazy to write. Dot com, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word right.com. At the real John Baker on Twitter. I probably should set up a Facebook page and I might just do that one day. And that's going to bring me to the end of this. So thanks for listening and I wish you all the best. Bye now. Too lazy to write. We're